you know what? God bless Chris Tomlin. Because yeah. he, he might have added a bunch of choruses to things that didn't need them. But if he didn't, most but of people us wouldn't have known. Now. Yeah, yeah, we wouldn't be seeing those songs. Yeah, but it is funny when you look songs up on the internet and people are like, oh yeah, that's by Chris Tomlin. And you're like, it's not no. by Chris Tomlin. Hello and welcome to another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Oney Funka. And I'm Cara Debro. This week, we're going to be talking about the popular chorus, I Stand Amazed in the Presence. We'll be discussing the claim to the title King of Gospel Music, pondering some of the debate that has arisen about a few of the lyrics, and reminding ourselves that the gospel is indeed marvellous and wonderful. All that and more. Yep. But first, if you haven't already, go ahead and make sure you like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe and ring the bell so that you're notified every time we post an episode. You can also follow us on social media at HimPartial. But the best way of all to stay in touch is to go over to HimPartial.com and sign up to our free weekly newsletter it is totally free and it's totally awesome um, and you will be the first person to know about new episodes plus we have really cool updates bonus content that you can't find anywhere else so go over to himpartial.com and sign up today yep so um you know how a little while ago we had like a bunch of episodes where people had silly names Yes. And then we had like a long stretch where everything was fine. <laughs> We're back on the silly names today. Yay. Yes, of course. Um, yes. So I stand amazed in the presence. We sang this song the other week in church mm-hmm. and I was just singing away and I was thinking, oh, this is chirpy, isn't it? And then I was like, oh, we should just do an episode on this because it's a happy song. (laughs) (laughs) That's the mysterious process behind our hymn choices. Now you know the inner workings of Kara's brain. (laughs) Oh, you don't want to know the inner workings of my brain. Um, This isn't actually a song that we sing a ton, Mm -mm. um, but it does pop up from time to time. Do you have any history with this hymn? Honestly, I probably sang this song one time. Twice, like it's one that when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, yeah. But it's the not chorus. one you see much. Yeah. That's that's it. I know. I know it's a controversial line I'm I'm putting here, but I like choruses, and the chorus stands with me. Um, I like some choruses. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who follow our Instagram account will have seen <laughs> that meme that we posted the other day. The rest yep. of you can just live with the mystery. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this song is actually known by a few different titles, which can be confusing. Mm-hmm. Most commonly, it's known by its first line, which is, I stand amazed in the presence. Um, But it can also be named after its chorus. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it's known as how marvelous. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's known as my savior's love. Okay. So sometimes you think, oh, I don't know this hymn someone's talking about. And it's actually this hymn. They're just not using the title you use. To be fair, there's so many hymns where maybe once upon a time it was referred to by its first line, but like in the modern era, era, not error, <laughs> we don't refer to we refer to it by its hook or its chorus or its, you know, yeah, because ten thousand reasons doesn't mm. start with ten thousand reasons, no. or no. like, yeah, it's a good point. 
Maybe it is a modern error. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't mind. As long yeah. as I know what you're talking about, I really yes. don't care. Yeah. Um, before we get to it, we'll give you a quick overview of the writer's life yet. Um, the writer's life, because we haven't talked about him yet. Okay. He's a new boy mm. on the block. So mm-hmm. his name is Charles H. Gabriel, which is fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we approve, tick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, he was born on a farm in Iowa on the 18th of August, 1856, which means it's his birthday this week Woo-hoo! at the time of release. If you're yes. watching this like six months later, it's not his birthday. Yeah. <laughs> um, his middle name is generally agreed to be Hutchison, except in Christian hymns who are like, no, nah, it's Homer. What? I don't know why. Um, I did a double take, but most sources are just like it's Hutchison. It doesn't matter. Um, well, it's a totally different name. That's uh, but I have strange. a theory about why that is. Okay. Um, I'm going with a general consensus because um, it's probably right. <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Homer because his parents had rather unique names. Okay. So his father was Isaac Newton Gabriel. Okay. Which is slightly like, okay, his mother, Cleopatra Cotton. <laughs> Just made me really happy. It's <laughs> like, calls their kid Cleopatra. I don't know. Very hipster. Anyway. That's kind of like, his dad is kind of like Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Isaac Watts. It's like... I have a friend who definitely likes stuff that we post. Mm. If you're watching Hey, mm. and um, her boyfriend's called John Wesley. Oh. And then his surname. Oh. I'm not going to say his surname yes. because, like, yeah, but he's John we Wesley. Because Google him. Boom. Yeah. yeah. His brothers have good names as well. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, Charles Gabriel breaks the mold of a lot of hymn writers we've talked about so far in that he only had quite a basic education. Mm-hmm. He never appears to have gone to university. Hmm. I'm not even totally sure whether he finished school or not. Hmm. Um, his father taught singing and music. Okay. So Charles kind of inherited his talent, but he was pretty much self-taught. Okay. He, he taught himself to play the reed organ in the family home. Okay. Yep. Well, and Reed organ? Yeah, I would have to look up what that is. That sounds confusing. I don't know if it's one of those little ones that you have to like pedal it with your feet while you play it. When I think reed, I think of like like, like reed instruments. Yeah. yeah. So how could it be an organ? Well, this is what I'm thinking is that it has that reed thing in it in the back or something. Okay. And then you pump or there's bellows of some sort yeah. that pushes the air through. Yeah. And it's like I'm a making vibration. this up. We um, don't know. <laughs> We're going to draw a picture of this and send it out to <laughs> whatever we think a reed organ is. And if you're not subscribed, you don't get the picture. You don't get our diddles. Okay. Um, back to the point. Um, on a sadder note, his dad died when he was only 16. Okay. Which quite was... Young pretty sad no, when Charles was 16 not when his dad was 16 yes okay uh, just clarifying yeah um but Charles was talented enough and old enough at the time that he could take over the lessons that his father had been teaching okay so he did that and at this point people started to request that he would write hymn tunes for them um and he would do that mm-hmm. he was quite happy to what he, a skill I know I wish <laughs> he taught and he traveled a little to teach for a while 
And then when he got older, he served as the musical director at Grace Methodist Episcopal Church in San Francisco. And I'm not sure what Methodist Episcopal is because I thought that was two totally different things. Yeah, that's confusing. Um, I don't know. Anyway, in 1912, he then moved to Chicago and began working with a guy <laughs> called Homer Roadheaver. Okay. I wondered if maybe Christian Hymns thought his middle name was Homer because they were getting confused with the fact he'd worked for a Homer. Maybe. And also because his parents are crazy names. <laughs> um, they, they, Homer Roadheaver had a publishing company that published a lot of music and, and hymn collections mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a bit of a heavyweight in that field at the time. Okay. So that enabled Charles to kind of be exposed to that. And he was credited with between 7,000 and 8,000 songs. Wow. Yes. He's a contender for our most prolific hymn writer. Wow. Yeah, that's... Uh, is that as much as Fanny Crosby? It's at least as much as Charles Wesley. I think it is as much as Fanny Crosby. I think it's... Yeah, they might be neck and neck. But like her, he's a pain in the neck because he used to use pseudonyms. So yeah. we don't actually know how many he's written. Wow. Um... Yeah, but I'm not done. He also (laughs) (laughs) um, edited 35 song collections, Sunday school songbooks, collections for men and women's choirs. He wrote numerous cantatas, including 41 Christmas cantatas. um, And he wrote a bunch of music and education texts as well as editing and helping collate and publish. He was a busy boy. Yeah. Um, So in his own hymns, there were strong themes of spreading the gospel and of heaven. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, like Fanny Crosby, you just, you can't work out how many are actually his because of his old pseudonyms and stuff. Yeah. And, and this is where Monet might choke on her biscuit if she was eating a biscuit. <laughs> he apparently became known as the king of gospel music. Explain. I don't know. It's just because <laughs> he was prolific and he wrote gospel music. Same as well, Fanny Crosby, but the boy version. I mean, it makes sense. They call her the queen of gospel music writing songwriting yeah i think it's kind of the same idea i was kind of like hmm i'm not sure about this it's a rather bold claim Mm -hmm. um but to be fair he was a very talented guy Mm -hmm. he did write a lot yep and he did write for the likes of billy sunday and his evangelistic crusades and things billy sunday billy graham no billy sunday there's billy Billy Sunday sunday and billy graham Oh, I've never heard of Billy Sunday. He's got like the name for it, doesn't he? He really does. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, so when about was, was this? Uh, this was early 1900s. Sort um, of. So he was in Chicago in 1912, so sort of after that. So was he post Fanny Crosby? He was post Fanny Crosby, but just, she died in 1915, but, you know, she obviously paved the way. yeah. So, I don't know. I'm kind of like maybe he's hmm. like the prince of gospel music, <laughs> a duke or a viscount or something. Um, to be fair, he was inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame in 1982. Okay, so in gospel music, I guess he is recognized. Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
Aside from this, there's not a ton to say about him. Mm. At some point, he married a girl called Fanny Woodhouse. They had a kid, but the marriage sadly ended in divorce. Is this the third Fanny that we've talked about on this show now? It is, but she doesn't really play a part. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. It seems to have been a common name. I didn't realize that was such a... I mean, because it's like not a... It's not a appropriate thing to say in this country it's not now. yeah but it was totally like a bunch of people's names once upon a time there's a <clears throat> an austin heroine in fact there's multiple girls by that name mm-hmm. in austin books but mm-hmm. um mansfield park the heroine is i'm not an austinite <laughs> i don't even know if that's what you guys are called it puts a strain on our friendship <laughs> <laughs> i mean i like pride and prejudice and Sense and Sensibility, the movies. <laughs> I've read most of Pride and Prejudice, but I haven't read all her books. I'm not like it's a... Not, um, it's not a requirement. <laughs> like a lot of classics, it's <laughs> an acquired taste. We're off the topic. Sorry. So, just fine. Charles, who's also a character in an Austin book. Goodness. Uh, Charles Bingley. Mm-hmm. Um, the real Charles, Gabriel, he remarried sometime later to a girl called Amelia Moore. They also had a child. Mm-hmm. Um. And the only other semi-relevant thing that you should know about him is that he had a rather spectacular mustache. That's pretty cool. Some look up pictures. It's quite something. (laughs) So um, (laughs) let's just talk about the hymn. (laughs) So unusually for our hymn so far, Charles wrote both the words and the tune at the same time. Yeah. there's no real known story about the writing of this hymn, but Charles does say in his personal memoirs, and I quote, Elijah P. Brown, founder of the Ram's Horn, I don't know what that is, mm-hmm. sent me these two lines. He had no tears for his own griefs, but sweat drops of blood for mine, saying that he believed the theme might suggest some words for a song. It did. Mm-hmm. And My Saviour's Love, published in 1905, was the outgrowth. His exact words are part of the second stanza, as you'll hear in a minute. A certain minister of the gospel, who now holds a responsible position in his denomination, once said to me, Gabriel, why do you put so much allegory in your hymns? We all know that while scripture says there appeared an angel comforting him, it was merely a figure of speech. And then Charles Gabriel says, and we wonder why the church is not more spiritual than it is today. (laughs) All right. Um, So, Monet, do you want to read us these words? Sure thing. Um, I'll just read the chorus once. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned, unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love to me. For me, I was in the garden. He prayed, not my will, but thine. He had no tears for his own griefs, but sweat drops of blood for mine. In pity, angels beheld him and came from the world of light to comfort him in the sorrows he bore for my soul that night. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. When with the ransomed in glory, his face I at last shall see. T'will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. What do you think? I like it. Wasn't it a song we were talking about the other 
day that is similar themed. I'm totally blanking. It wasn't the other day. It was like the other month. I mean, um, we've talked about a bunch of hymns on this theme. Like It was so recent, though. And oh, can it, it was be? The, it was the blood one. Oh, a fountain filled with blood. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, there's a few that we've talked about that's on this theme. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, I was actually thinking of that when I was reading the last verse of this hymn. I mm. was thinking about redeeming love shall be my theme. Mm-hmm. And the lisping, stammering tongue. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very hopeful song about what Christ has done for us. It's largely based on Luke's account, um, but it also has a bunch of other references. The first verse sets us up with this sort of question about how Christ could love sinners like us, mm-hmm. um, which made me think of Romans 5.8, while we were still dead in our trespasses, Christ died for us. Yep. Um, and then the rest of the song goes on to tell about the incredible story of exactly how he did love us and mm-hmm. what that looked like. And then it kind of periodically bursts out into praise in the chorus. How marvellous. How wonderful. Um, the verses two and three come from Luke twenty-two forty-one to 44, where Jesus is praying in the garden the night before his death. Monday, would you mind just reading that to us? No problem. Luke 22, 41 to 44. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him, sorry, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Okay, so there are those who have taken issues with these verses for one reason of or Luke? another. No, of um, verse two and three of the hymn. Oh, okay, sorry. No <laughs> one in their right mind could like take issue. <laughs> yes. Although actually, yes, it partly is taking issue with interpretation of yeah. this. Okay. Um, yeah, so... To begin with verse two, there's that comment about him shedding no tears for his own griefs. Mm-hmm. And it isn't true because if you look at Jesus's prayer, he was praying about the suffering and separation he was about to undergo. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have this verse directly, this verse in the hymn directly contradicted in Hebrews 5, 7, which says in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because, because of his reverence. So there's that. I don't think I understand the controversy. They're basically like you're being too self-centered Jesus wasn't crying about you he was crying about himself Mm. and mm, Mm. it's kind of a distinction without a difference I'm kind of like yeah it made me think so I was like yes he did cry thinking about what he was about to suffer so it's not true to say that he didn't cry because of his own grief because he did cry because of his own grief Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm also kind of like, when we sing this, should we just allow him the poetic license? 
Because we're not singing anything, I don't think we're singing anything heretical. I don't know. I think it's a good question for our audience. What do you think about this line? I think for me, um, I can maybe see the argument that says, oh, we should be careful what we're saying about Christ. Definitely. Um, And then the other side of it that says, well, this is speaking figuratively, I guess, about what happened there. Yes, Christ actually did Swat, sweat drops of blood like that was that, oh we're no we're know. gonna get to that yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> so you know something really happened there the why it happened I guess we should be careful about how we talk yeah. about the why but I, I guess it didn't really pop out to me as like bing heresy but if someone's spidey sense is tingled over that then yeah. yeah that makes sense there are people who remove it and I would say that if your conscience, if it doesn't sit well with your conscience, don't sing it. Yeah. Um, personally, I'm kind of 50-50. I'm not sure. I think that's what I meant when I said maybe I can see too it both flippantly. Ways. Yeah. yeah, and saying it's a distinction without a difference because like his griefs are our griefs. You know, like he's, yeah. it's not like he was like, oh man, I'm just thinking about me. Like this is going to suck. You know, yeah. like, well, he had to bear our sin yeah, and that grieved him. So I'm not, I'm not trying yeah. to, you know, don't at me. That's, it is a distinction without a difference at first glance, but then maybe as I think about it a little bit more, I could say, no, I understand this. I could understand the beef. I could understand yeah. being like, no, I don't want to sing this. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't think I have a major problem with it, mm. but I reckon it's probably something I'd want to think about a bit more before I made a decision you know what on topic slash off topic I remember we did talk about one of Fanny Crosby's songs that we were kind of like I don't know about this line someone emailed us afterwards and explained it and I was like oh I wouldn't have got that but it made sense (laughs) but I do think it's hard with these with these hymn writers that are churning out hundreds and thousands of songs like for them not to get something a little bit wonky yeah, you know? and, and also you got to remember, this was like um, almost an evangelistic mm-hmm. tool. It was something you would have sung at evangelistic events mm-hmm. um, and like evangelistic campaigns and stuff. So the point of the hymn is to get across what Christ has done for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Still a question mark for me. Something to chew on. Yeah, definitely. I've got more for you to chew on. <laughs> and more and more. <laughs> Good, because I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so there's also the question about the blood drops. Yes. Um, some people don't believe that Jesus actually sweated drops of blood in the garden, but that he was sweating sweat so heavily that it was running off him like blood runs off a wound. Like if you got a bad cut and the blood was just running, that's how the sweat was coming off of him. Now, Hmm. there is a medical phenomenon, so I'm told, um, that can cause the, like, little veins in your skin to burst in times of extreme stress. Goodness. And uh, it's not as gruesome as it sounds. It kind of just... (laughs) How can it it not be? (laughs) It's gruesome. It's probably very painful as well. Yeah. Um, But it's caused by, like, extreme stress. Mm. It's very rare... Um, but the blood kind of comes out of your sweat glands with the sweat, tinging it a sort of slight pink. It's not like a full on blood running down your face, which is kind of like 
pinky. Um, I don't know. I'm not a scholar, mm. so I couldn't tell you whether Luke is being metaphorical or not. And I'm also not a doctor, so I couldn't tell you whether Jesus was literally sweating blood. But I have no problem with if the Bible says he was sweating blood. I'm, yeah. I'm good with that. It's like one of those weird things that we try to do. We try to go back and say, oh, the Bible has described something supernatural. Mm, well, let's see if science can explain it. It's like, well, guys, Jesus was born from a virgin. I like, know. Oh, my goodness. There's the next objection we're going to. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's just a matter of... Um, I don't know. I, I'm looking at the genre. It's a, it's one of the gospels. They're trying to retell what happened. Like, you know, the writers of yeah. the four gospels are saying, look, we want you to know what Luke. we saw. Exactly. He's he, just like, this stuff happened, then this stuff happened. Luke was a doctor, wasn't he? He was, but yeah. I don't know whether medicine was advanced enough. But the point point. is that, you know, I doubt he would have been like describing things. He wasn't the poetic type, was yeah. he? Yeah. I don't know. I would be curious to know if any of our listeners think that it was metaphorical. Um, it's really, it's a really interesting point and I'll stop rambling because this is why we do this show, right? Here you have this line and there's controversy over, is this biblical? Is this, is this allegory? Is this, you know, wait a minute, hold on. Like we need to stop and think about it. And we might kind of scoff at that. Like, come on, guys. Like, the song is good. But, like, mm. we should do that. Like, we should yeah. do that and, and and have these discussions, you know, with our pastors and with our husbands yeah. and everything to just better understand it because we are singing these songs of praise to God. But that's what we're here for, isn't yeah. it? Like, yeah. we're saying to you, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, the point is not, we're not here to answer your questions. We're here to encourage you to actually think about what yeah, you're singing. To ask the questions. Um, and hopefully we're doing that. Yeah. And I have another objection for you. Okay. <laughs> I was so done with these people. <laughs> okay, verse three. Yes. The angels come to comfort him. Mm-hmm. This verse has also been left out in some hymn books with a big question mark beside it. Why? Hmm. Because as Charles himself noted in the quote earlier, there are those who don't believe that an actual angel came and comforted Christ. But there's two things I think about that. One is that it's in the text. So what's your problem? Yeah. And the second one is we're talking about God mm -hmm. becoming flesh, mm -hmm. being born of a virgin, mm -hmm an angel is not a stretch. Right. Like an angel is like the least unbelievable yeah. part of this story. Yeah. That's so strange to me. Um, mm. I mean, it's not the first time that angels have, have tended to him either. No. Like when he was tempted in, uh, yep. in the wilderness, like, Hey, guess what? The, the angels ministered to him there too. Um, and, you know, considering he was starving, I think it was real ministering to them. It wasn't like, like some... Just like patting him on the shoulder and yeah. being like, you're doing great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. anyways. So... Interesting. So it seems like folks that have these objections are actually, like you said, they're just objecting to scripture. They tend to be a bit yeah. more on the skeptical about scripture yeah. side, but yeah. not exclusively. Like the thing about his griefs. Um, I could see that. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, no, that that's a that's the a, the blood and the angels. I'm kind of like, does it? Um, yeah, okay. It, 
I will not go down the tangent that I'm thinking of until after we stop recording. Um, Okay, let's move on to verse four. (laughs) It is based on Isaiah 53. Oh, yeah, I forgot. This verse is also up for debate. Oh, goodness. (laughs) But we're not going to talk about it. You can go ask your pastor about this. Mm -hmm. But first, Monet, would you like to read Isaiah 53, 4? Yes, it's one of my favorites. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Yeah. When you're done listening to this episode, go read that whole chapter. It's yes. just... Just over and over. It's soul food. <laughs> it is. Um, so there is also debate about what it means for Jesus to suffer and die alone. Just put a pin in this. Because yeah. at the end of the day, folks have issue with the atonement of yeah. Christ. And we can't really... That's why I said, go talk to your pastor about it. Go talk to it. your pastor about All it. All <laughs> I want to say about it is that I don't think it's a question specifically about the lyrics of this particular no. song it's an ongoing thing people like to debate and mm-hmm. fall out over because jesus said on the cross my god my god why have you forsaken me mm-hmm. and so go talk to your pastor about that one yes. <laughs> uh verse five is not controversial mm. i just want to say it ends in glory yes amen <laughs> oh yes so ready for verse five <laughs> um as i was um thinking about this hymn as I was reading up about it and reflecting on the lyrics I was actually thinking how much I would like a verse in there about the resurrection Mm -hmm. it's not compulsory but like just a couple lines about the resurrection and ascension would really like round the whole thing Mm -hmm. off um if it was done right it'd be a great addition anyway um verse five comes from revelation 22 4 where it says and they shall see his face yes it comes back to what we were talking about again, like you were saying um, a couple of weeks ago in the episode about there is a fountain filled with blood. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking forward to singing praises to God for mm. all he's done when we get to heaven. Mm. Um, but we can and should sing them now, although it is in a much poorer form. Yeah. Um, my last couple of thoughts um, and comments on this song are just to say that Chris Tomlin helped bring this one back into wider mm-hmm. singage i don't know what the word is singination <laughs> yep <laughs> he brought it back into her church a little he bit more oh huh right oh how marvelous he added a bunch of repetitive bits okay but <laughs> we don't talk about it um <laughs> he brought it kind of back into popularity in its, its newer incarnation in the 2000s mm-hmm. um he did it was that, you know, that phase he went through of like taking old hymns and. It was a good phase. Revamping them. It was a good phase. It got people singing Amazing you know Grace more again. God bless Chris Tomlin. Because yeah. he, he might have added a bunch of choruses to things that didn't need them. But if he didn't, most but of people us wouldn't are singing have known. It now. Yeah, yeah, we wouldn't be singing those songs. Yeah, but it is funny when you look songs up on the internet and people are like, oh yeah, that's by Chris Tomlin. And you're like, it's not no. by Chris Tomlin. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's done a lot of good work. Um, but to be honest, I think one of the reasons this song is still sung is apart from the fact it's about the gospel, which is wonderful. Yes. It's also just the words in the tune are, are super simple. They, and they're catchy. Yeah, definitely catchy. Yep. Easy to learn. Um, it doesn't have the poetic merits and the sort of beautiful lyricism of other songs that we've talked about on no. a similar theme, like, and can it be, or, mm-hmm. uh, 
the Watts one, when I survey the Wonders Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think its strength is in its simplicity. Yeah, it's very simple. And th- good things are simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easy to learn. So to finish, I thought it might just be nice to remind ourselves of how marvelous and wonderful the truth of the gospel is mm-hmm. by reading Ephesians, the first part of Ephesians 2. This is hands down one of my most beloved passages of scripture. I was like, oh, we should read a bit of Ephesians 2. And I was reading it and I was like, we could read the whole chapter. Honestly, <laughs> and I was like, we could read the whole letter. And I was like, no, we've not got yeah, time for that. Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, but Ephesians 2 is like the the jewel in the crown of Ephesians to me. So you guys I will, should memorize it. Yeah, Just say. happily read this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace before by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of god not a result of works so that no one may boast amen and if that doesn't warm your heart you gotta check your pulse so i mean that chokes me up i don't think i get through that verse i'm I'm, it's amazing i did got through the passage uh without shedding some tears but um thank you thank you very much for that car some really interesting conversations came out of this song that I completely didn't expect and that's one of my favorite things about co-hosting this show is that the songs we sing on a Sunday they have deeper layers to them we need to be thinking about them we need to be talking about them um, and bringing all of that to our praise Sunday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, whenever you're singing to the Lord, which hopefully is more than just Sunday. Um, But thank you very much for bringing that to the table. And we really do want to hear from you guys. Lots of interesting things happened during this uh, episode that you might want to chime in on. Go ahead, shoot us an email, sign up for that newsletter, leave us a comment, like, subscribe, all that fun fun stuff. Um, But until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye.